0: Without further ado, here's the acclaimed author of the Make Each Click Count book series, the founder of True Online Presence, the founder of Make Each Click Count University, and the host with the most, Andy Spleichel.
1: Welcome to the Make Each Click Count podcast. This is your host, Andy Spleichel. We are happy to welcome this week's guest to discuss today's topic, which is AI-powered content strategies giving SEO a boost. Today's guest is co-founder and chief product officer for an industry-leading content solution that brings data scientists and engineers together with content strategists and SEO experts to make AI accessible for content teams of all sizes and skill levels. A big hello to Jeff Coyle of Market News. Hi, Jeff. Hi, how are you? I'm so glad to be here today. You know, we're, we're excited to have you. Now, let's let's get right into it. Okay. What would you say to people who believe SEO is dead? That the heyday of being able to rank organically is over, and you'd be better served by spending your time and your resources on other marketing channels?
2: I'd say um, I'm, I'm sorry about that. Um, I'm saying they probably have an agenda. They probably want you to spend money on other marketing channels, and they're probably... Um, being, you know they're probably in some way compensated by you spending money in those other channels um but i would i would really be saying it's it's not dead it's not remotely close to dead um the market validates this even um you know in 2021 you know multiple major events happened in the search engine optimization industry that truly validates it um, we had two, uh, multi, multi-billion dollar SaaS software company IPOs with similar Web and SEMrush. Um, we had Conductor, uh, for example, who focuses on mid-market to enterprise, uh, just raised $150 million um, funding round. Um, we had Moz get sold to a large publisher, J2 Global, a subsidiary of J2 Global. Um, not only is SEO not dead from a practitioner's perspective, but it's as strong as it's ever been from a real MarTech industry um, today.
1: So it's not dead, but would it be fair to say that it is a lot more difficult to successfully implement an SEO strategy than it was 10, 15 years
2: ago? Oh, gosh, yes. It's, um, you know, and it's almost a dream come true for me um not just cuz i've been doing this for 23 years uh, which i have uh done search content strategy lead gen demand gen ab multivariate testing anything that relates to traffic going in and you know money or leads coming out um but it's a dream to me not just because or not because it's hard it's because you have to focus on the right things you have to focus on making great business decisions to be successful and that legitimizes the craft internally for real businesses. So it's harder. But why is it harder? Because it's you have to do things that you know are fundamentally, they can't be black boxes internally. They can't be things that are, you know, sketchy tricks. You have to do things that are equivalent to other business operations and other business systems. Um, And that's hard. It's hard to have to do this the same, you know, and have processes for technical SEO, for example, that are equivalent to um, the way you manage corporate security or, Mm -hmm. you know, information security or from a content perspective, the way that you manage, you know, editorial or the way that you manage content strategy um, has to have components that are like legitimate business practices that involve search engine optimization outcomes. The punchline is that the outcomes are overcoming the outputs in SEO and in the world. So people are less likely to be focused on a, a bit in a bulb or a tweak or a trick because they're focused on the fact that our teams, our demand gen team, our content team, our search team our editorial team, our product team, all actually have to work together in order to drive the outcomes that maybe 10 years ago were coming from an SEO trick. Um, so and just, that's what can, makes it hard. Can you say that again one time? Outcomes are now outperforming the output. You know, they're just that they're, people are realizing that for a long time, SEO was kind of pigeonholed as a thing that was, you know, loosely correlated to outcomes. Um, but now people are realizing that if you're doing these things right, they're driving the same outcomes as other marketing channels. It's not about rankings. It's about the fact that those yielded brand growth, those yielded leads, those yielded sales. And um,
1: how, how are you? Tra- I mean, that's always been one of the difficulty with, with SEO is it's not, you know, it's not your immediate gratification of your, <laughs> you know, like your pay per click. whether it's through Google or it's Facebook where people are clicking and buying and you're up in five minutes, it it takes a long time. How, how do you, how do you track, how do you suggest people track that? How do, how do they, how do people remain patient and and keep on with this um, strategy that you put in place?
2: It's such a great question because there, you know, content generally has always been plagued in, you have to kind of, Drink the Kool-Aid first, invest in it, and then have some outcomes. Search engine optimization from uh, uh, all the different types of investment you may need. Well, you know, it can be you know a lot of technical stuff. It can be you know not just technical from the standpoint of of your site being fast, but also managing a migration well, um, making sure that you're you know you're not causing uh, user frustration. Uh, and it is hard for a business to naturally, like immediately be mature enough to connect that to, um, to, you know, things that then get to revenue. Um, but in, you know, teams that do that have a share, they basically they have shared responsibilities and shared KPIs as well as ones of their own. Um, and the, they've got to have some shared KPIs amongst the teams that all influence, in the end, online sales or online leads. Or if you're in a publishing case, uh, the you know revenue generated via ads or affiliate clicks or whatever the case may be, that RPM number. So having those people all associated with those KPIs makes sure that the projects that should be prioritized get prioritized. Um, if, you know, asking more of the pragmatic, Of how do you hang on when SEO isn't an overnight thing? Um, When you know paid can yield immediate gratification, paid paid can also yield exorbitant amounts of risk, um, and it can yield uh, situations where, um, you know, especially in B2B, uh, uh, leads lead accountability, uh, and you have the same if you're in B2B and you have a longer sales cycle if you're buying stuff for um you know versus if you're buying things for uh you know conversions to products if you're selling coffee cups right um you still have those that delayed gratification with paid because you're having to input the leads generated or input Mm -hmm. even if you're selling SaaS via product-led growth and you get a purchase via paid well how long did they stay as a recurring purchaser How frequently is that cohort churning? You still have all that obligation that you might have with inbound leads, but like the day you write a content item doesn't mean that that content item is generating success. So the question of delayed gratification from an SEO perspective is, do I want the aspirational outcome? That's the thing. That's the thing that you've got to get ahead of and say, okay, in a year, what do we want to be? What story do we want to tell? Um, how much traffic do we think we can build? And this is like my life, right? It's, I want to create predictable data-driven insights that give people the information they need to say, how much content do we need to create? How likely is it to be successful? What should we expect to get And months down the road? Um, so that they can be confident in those investments. I think so that uh, predict- uh, predictable ROI is the key.
1: Okay, so let's take a step back. You had mentioned KPIs, and for those that don't know, it's a key performance indicator. Is is patience one of those key performance indicators you need?
2: <laughs> you you need expectations. That's a great question. You need uh, set expectations. You set need expectations. Set, you need expectations set. Absolutely. Um, and this is where failures occur. Um, you also need to create a culture of content internally. Um, those are the two things that are kind of your precursors to having any sort of successful SEO program or content program. You so let's,
1: to- um, yeah, let's go there. Let's let's talk about the content and specifically how you're fitting in with your company and how does the artificial driven content work with right. SEO?
2: Um, <clears throat> Uh, the artificially driven content. So, no, that's a great question. So, I use artificial intelligence and our technology uses artificial intelligence at all stages of the content process, um, not just the generation side. Uh, but, generation is absolutely a way to amplify and accelerate a writer, editor, uh, uh, you know, team. But, look, I, you know, I like to walk through the whole process because it gets to the bottom of where most people make mistakes. Um, like you, you said, people who say SEO is dead, the reason why, one of the reasons why, is because their content efficiency is very low. What does that mean? They write 10 articles or 10 pages of content to get maybe one to perform. That's actually about the industry average, about 10%. Um, and so they think, you, know, you ask somebody, how much does content cost? They say, you know, oh, a couple hundred dollars. Okay, well, you're punching at 10%. So now how much does it cost effectively? They're like, oh, wait, it's actually about $5,000. And then their head explodes, right? Um, So being able to evaluate your content process at all stages of what goes into how a bill becomes a law, that's where artificial intelligence can accelerate each stage so that what you actually build has a high, the highest possible chance of being successful. Whether you write it and use technology to guide you while you're writing, mm-hmm. before you start writing, while you're writing, or there's actually generated points of reference that you can build from and edit and expand, the point is that more of what you publish is gonna have a chance to be successful. The teams that adopt that approach Blow the doors off of somebody who believes that they're just going to use AI to generate content in order to publish it. So, the with, difference.
1: So yeah. it's really it's it's artificially driven content. The keyword's driven. Yeah. So it's giving you suggestions on what to write or, or guiding. But you're not
2: putting something into a magic box and something shooting out. Well, that's the funny part about it is. It's artificial intelligence can drive all those outcomes. It absolutely can. You can input information in and get content out. That is, and it is a magic, it is, feels like, really? a magic, yeah, oh well, yeah. And it feels like a magic box uh, sometimes. <laughs> um, it's how good is the info you're giving it? And then what are you doing with what comes out where the difference between a, ineffective practitioner of, of these types of approaches or somebody trying to trick the system and thinking they're going to get away with something has a completely different outcome than thinking about these things critically like a business would. And I, I, that might sound esoteric. Um, but just to give you an example, because we could talk about generation, natural language generation, which is the, one of the branch of artificial intelligence I work in, also in natural language processing a lot. Um, But the way that NLG works in natural language generation is you build a language model Mm -hmm. um, and it predicts, uh, basically, it can write predictive text um, based on a bunch of inputs. Um, You can do this with a little bit of input and you get like a wild card. Who knows what's going to come out? The real, real is real situation is that you need to treat anything that's generated just like it was written by a writer you've never met
0: an outsourced
2: writer who may have done a great job they may have not it may need a lot of work it may need only a little bit of work right because i'm sure like stuff like industry
1: lingo and stuff like that's not going to be in there where you would have to to kind of touch it up
2: the technology that market muses built is very different than some of of the other language models that are out there. Um, MarketMuse first draft, what we do is we actually train the language model to be a topic specific expert.
1: Hmm. Okay, Um, that's great.
2: Yeah, and we tune it for your site. So we actually train it to be a topic expert and then we also post tune it for the way that you write. So we can actually make it write like you. Um, But the goal isn't that it replaces you. The teams that believe that that's going to replace are the ones that they're just going about it the wrong way. If you think about the way that artificial intelligence can really accelerate, it's to say, okay, you analyzed your company's site. You figured out that your biggest win was to write an article that effectively covered early stage awareness buyers who want to know more about, you know, clay coffee cups. You know, I'm looking at my coffee cup, right? Um, and then you're like, okay, cool. I want to write that. Now, what would be I want to like feed information into, let's build a great outline. Let's build an outline or a content brief using technology. And now it gives me insights as to a possible structure for the article, questions that need to be naturally answered, topics that need to be included and addressed, um, subheadings or sections. And now I go through that and I approve that brief, right? That outline.
1: Mm -hmm. Um,
2: So that was assistive. I didn't have to do that manually. So far, nothing I've done has to be done manually. Now I can feed that into a generation platform. And what we do is we'll go out and learn everything we can about coffee cups, right? And then build a language model that's an expert on that topic. We feed in that brief. We can actually write article, write a draft inspirational article or draft that fits that brief. Now, imagine you're the writer and you received all of this payload. You are a writer, you get this, I've got, here's the topic I need you to write, here's questions that need to be answered, topics that need to be included, Mm -hmm. um, a structure to the piece. And by the way, here's an inspirational way that this technology approached the article. Imagine if you're the writer and you got that, and you were able to write a comp, you could focus on narrative, production value, applying your expertise, you know, basically, taking that information and crafting it and turning it into your own. What we find is writers may not even use only a small fraction of that draft, but Mm -hmm. they can accelerate their creation process by two to three X just by having that information in front of them. They don't ever get writers back. And what the coolest part about it is they get to the finished piece fast and they're confident that their boss, the one that gave them the order of what to write, isn't going to kick it back at them because they validated the brief already. They mm-hmm. told you exactly what the guardrails were. And so this writer writes this pizza, so like, I know they're going to be really happy with this. And I didn't have to spend any time doing keyword research. I didn't have to spend any time um, doing, you know, wondering if this is actually what our editor wanted. Um, and even they gave me this inspirational generate a draft that like kind of gave me some cool ideas of things I wanted to add to this. So where, um, That's the key. let's, let's, yeah.
1: let's talk about where are people using this content? So you, you're this coffee cup company to, to use your example. You're selling right. coffee cups on, on a Shopify website. Yep. Where are you using this, this article mm-hmm. About clay coffee cups.
2: Well, that's the other piece of this. It's it's uh, you know a lot of people who believe that SEO is dead don't understand that you need to be there for the entire buyer journey. Whether whether you're selling a a a, a, you know CRM software product, a content intelligence platform like I am every day, um, you know uh, a particular beer brand or coffee cup, right? You are you have to be there throughout that purchase. Process so you need a content on your website that tells the story that you're the expert on anything that your prospective users or buyers might care about. You need to exhibit expertise. Um, so this may manifest in thought leadership content on your site. It may be content that you are using as part of you know channel marketing with partners um, or. You know, and it could be on any part of your site. It could be to, to supplement any stage of the life cycle that you haven't covered for your company. And I always like to say, you know, a lot of companies, they believe that people are going to buy products just by looking at what they look like mm-hmm. and hearing about what they do. It's just not real. You have to have exhibit expertise. You have to have been there throughout that entire buy cycle. Even a pair of socks has a life, has a buy cycle. Um, and you don't deserve to be there at the bottom of the funnel, unless you were there at the top of the funnel. Oh, I like you, that saying. Unless you showed expertise at the top of the funnel.
1: So people are using the content on their website or blogs. Mm-hmm. Is that most of them or Facebook well, well,
2: posts? Where Where are you? Well, well, the one awesome thing about content is, is a great piece of content that exhibits expertise. So one of the things where we've been at Market Muse Innovated is, is um, we're able to, Um, evaluate the quality and comprehensiveness of content. So everybody thinks that that's subjective. We can actually tell whether a content item was written by an expert or not. We can tell Hmm. how how comprehensive it is. That's the core of our technology. That's why when we generate content, we can make sure that it actually qualifies against that quantified method of, of, of quality and comprehensiveness. So the cool thing about great content is you can repurpose the heck out of it. So you can build out this long form guide, for example. We can turn it into a Facebook campaign. We can turn it into 50 Facebook posts. We can turn it into an infographic. We can turn it into all these things. So the sky's the limit on the format that can be taken from whatever that base content function is. I'll give you another example. Well, before before another,
1: yeah, yeah, Yeah. I mean, before another example, so with Market Views, do you help people figure out where to
2: use that content or is it really just the content? Well, it's um, what should I write? What Mm -hmm. content should I create? What should I update? And how much I set expectations. So how much content is needed in order for us to move the needle on any particular topic? Uh, So uh, I might find a low hanging fruit opportunity. Say, you know, if you go write one article on this particular topic, you're gonna have a great chance to succeed. Or I might say, hey, you know, you haven't written a lot about coffee cups. Your site's about, you know, cats and kittens. You need to write about 50 articles. It's gonna to have to be an entire section of your site. Um, and so, and then anything in between. The next phase of that is we actually build out content briefs with our outlines with our technology. Um, and then we have the generation component. We also can look at draft content or already published content and give you insights on how to make it better and more comprehensive.
1: Oh, so um, you can republish stuff.
2: Yeah, exactly. So, but we're not giving insights as to um, formatting and repurposing. I want to do that, but it's just, it's not something we've built yet. Um, so
1: so yeah. do you have, you know, speaking, maybe we can get into a real life example. Do you have a favorite success story you could share from one of your clients?
2: Oh, gosh. Yeah, Um So many. Uh, (laughs) But uh, I'll give you one of that's more personal success story. uh, Not me, Jeff. Um, One of them will be about me, Jeff. um, And then the other one will be about a client um, is, you know, my founder story is a personal success story um, of using MarketMuse. And and I always use this for when new, new content, we've been at this for over seven years, um, you know, um, but I, what most, a lot of people don't know is I was actually one of MarketMuse first um, customers uh, before it had even much of an interface. Um, my, my co-founder, um, you know, was trying to figure out exactly how this was gonna work. And um, I, d- I ran a test with some data from MarketMuse um and I always remembered it. it was on a topic of multi-factor authentication. Um and the plan that Market news built five X the performance of the plan that was built subjectively by a human. Um and I was hooked and the co-founder, you know, I almost a year later, uh, said, Hey Jeff, we're actually going to take this to market and make it a, you know, and go full, full run. Do you want to join as a late co-founder? Hmm. Um, and I was like, What's a late co-founder? And he said, you're not going to get paid for a long time. And I'm like, sweet, let's go. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, But, but my, one of my favorite success stories is a customer who I I won't say who they are, but they're in a travel niche. Um, And this is a personal friend of mine. Um, It's always cool when a personal friend becomes a customer and has a huge success. Um, And they used us on their, one of their sites and had tremendous growth um, and was used, basically upgraded all their content. Made sure that every content item that was on their site already was equal to or better from a standpoint of quality or comprehensiveness than any of their competitors. So they actually updated every single page on their site and made it the best it could be using the guidance from MarketMuse. Immediately started seeing dramatic growth. And then they're like, whoa. Um, And we're talking about like 3x growth. Immediate, and then said, wow, all of our... How
1: was to- that? Were they getting substantial traffic before? I mean, what, oh, what kind yeah. of...
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was in this niche, in this uh, location, uh, one of the top sites. And So still- they weren't
1: going from 10 visitors to 30 no, visitors. No, I mean, they were-
2: no, they were going... But it's actually relevant that you asked that because what they, they did, then they started creating content using our content briefs. Um, and their hit rate was 30% on that content, whereas their previous hit rate was about 10% on content. So again... Big, big changes. We get customers up to, you know, in some of them up to 50 to 60% of the content they produce hits the goals that are set that we set for them. I um, see. and then, which is a shocking number, the real, you know, the, the, true market average is 10%, which just makes people cringe. Cause that question I asked before everybody you know, ask them, how much does content cost? You know, 500 bucks. Okay. Uh, you're 10% efficient. What does that, what does that mean to you about how much content really costs? And then their head explodes. Um, but the, uh, the other, the fun part of the story is this person created a brand new site starting from zero and kind of said, I, I want to build, I want to start building this site with a huge amount of content and I want, you know, it to be guided by market muse. Um, and he launched a site with 500 pages on it, um, and went from zero to 500 pages on one day, just Really, really trusted. Wow! So that was all. That was
1: all just AI generated.
2: It was. Uh, well, no, the briefs were generated. He wrote it. He wrote the articles. Five hundred. Uh, yeah. Well, his team. He, he had a team of writers. Yeah. Okay. That that built it. Um, uh, none of that was using our generation platform, um, and published that using the content briefs though as sources of truth, um, and then waited, <laughs> and you know, a couple months in. Kind of scary. Well, not really seeing a lot of traction.
1: Uh-huh.
2: Uh A couple months later, oh wow, there it is. Um, and a couple months after that, wow, this. So how this how world. many
1: months before, um, between? We had we
2: had predicted three and a half, and it it really started jumping up about three and a half because each each cohort and each situation that you're in, um, there is a predictable math problem for what the likely weight. Mode is for a brand new site it's a now new was he
1: was yeah, he working on new. backlinks or anything like that trying to get well, that? You
2: know, or? that's a good question i mean there's a couple of schools of thought there um in this case uh not a huge uh focus on that um but they that can be a way um to to spike the punch um but yeah you're and, and building that backlink profile is definitely going to be something you want to do If understanding how much it's happening naturally doing competitive cohort analysis, um, all of that. But, you know, I, I'm actually looking at it, um, we're not on camera, so I'm able to take, I'm actually looking at it on HREPs and SEMrush and market news data right now. Um, and um, it, it's an amazing graph. And those are the stories that just make my day, frankly. Um, yeah, no, that's that's it, a great story. Yeah, I mean, we're looking at a case where, you know, dropped the ball, uh, dropped the hammer in May, and um, just you know, this week smashing an all-time high, and that's like when you you trust trust the process. Recognize it's hard, it's hard work. Um, but artificial intelligence can make sure that I don't do any of that hard work in vain. And that's where teams, I think, they they suffer because of lack of confidence, and they suffer because of inefficiencies. Because like you have writers sitting there all day that I talk to. And it's, I mean, it sounds like I'm running support groups and sometimes I am, but they're like, yeah, we don't know whether what we're writing is the right stuff to write. So, Mm -hmm. but we have to write it anyway. And we want to do a good job because we're proud of our art. And so they write this beautiful content and it never had a chance. Hmm. Um, And like, like, I mean, you can go write, Andy you can go write the best brand new iPhone review that's ever been written and you can throw it on Andy's blog. And it's not going to do well. It can be the best one that's ever written. And the answer to why isn't just because of links. And you could throw that same article on CNET. And it will be, it will get a million billion views, right? It's not just because of links, it's because they've written great content that tells the story that they're experts on mobile, that's experts on doing reviews. And so you're you're basically you have to show them that you know them. You have to be there for the entire bias cycle. It's like when people write. They only write, you know, X, Y, Z pricing content because they think that's the bottom of the funnel and it's going to lead to the most leads. And they don't write any early stage awareness content. But you weren't there for the whole journey. So you're not going to be awarded with search engine optimization success only at one stage of the funnel. It doesn't work. It doesn't work that way. That's um, a, and that's why people quit. That's, that's a great,
1: yeah, no, that's a fantastic insight. Mm-hmm. Now on, on the flip side, have there, are there any challenges that you struggle
2: with with your services, oh. providing um, results for clients. Oh, yeah. Um, well, you, you know, you asked two questions. I'll step one back that I didn't answer directly is um, the downside of using generation. Um, I struggle. We struggle with AI and generation in that people do think it's a magic box um, and they jump to the end everybody wants, you know, there's a type of person that doesn't like to read books, but they like to know how stories go. All right. (laughs) Um, and you know, you jump to the end, read the last, read the last chapter. I'm not that person. Um, but the, um, in this game in in the world of content, people want that, that, that quick fix. They want that easy win. Um, and so, Believing that they're going to be able to, you know, bypass the entire process and get away with this without having any subject matter expertise, um, without doing any of the work, um, it still plagues uh, these types of processes. So I struggle when we struggle when teams are only half in the boat from having a culture of content. They don't want to do the work that's advised of them um, you know, and buy the technology. Um, and that's when, you know, it's not that they can't do it or they can't operationally do it, mm-hmm. but they just, it's, it doesn't, they, they're not completely bought in that this is the content that needs to be created. The advice of the technology, they're not going to fully execute the campaign because of their choice. That's Got the it. first struggle. The second struggle is then in the operations of uh, the op, you know, operation of investment. when you're talking about content, content's hard, um, and you've got to, you know, resource for it, or you've got to buy. You have you got to build, or you're going to buy. Um, so when you get advice it says, "Hey, go write," you know, the this four thousand word article about, you know, the process for making clay coffee cups, and you're like, "Okay, great," I, and then do you actually get it done? So not implementing not implementing effectively. So those are two of the, but what I don't struggle with is if you focus, and then obviously this is hard sledding, right? It's, it's, this is, this is taking data and turning that data into insights. And whenever that's a situation, um, people want the the plan delivered to them on a silver platter and sometimes the platter isn't silver sometimes it's ugly sometimes it tells you that you you know your baby's ugly sometimes it's just data and you just can't figure out how to turn it into advice um so my three biggest challenges are where um someone doesn't take the time to learn how to use the data um the second is they're not really bought in on content so they're only executing the stuff that they think is either easy or um, is uh, uh, what they wanted to hear. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the third is they actually just aren't good at executing content. So they and they don't want to buy. They don't want to pay for someone to write the content for them or to pay for outsourced content. And they um, don't
1: have and they don't have the time to do it themselves. So those those three yeah. things
2: drive our biggest struggles. Um, and and I'd say that's universal for all content. Um, companies, you know, that's why I like to start them off with some easy, fun wins. Um, and quick wins, uh, I can usually find three to four content items on their website that if they just update them and make them better, they're going to get a nice shot of adrenaline in the arm. Um, and then, so I always advise, um, my, my onboarding team and my, you know, sales team to, um, you know, to start there, make it easy. Hey, go update this article. You forgot, you know, you wrote this great article about content marketing strategy, and there's no section in it about target markets or buyer personas. Mm-hmm. Um, expand it to have a section about target marketing, target markets, and expand it to have a section about buyer personas. The person goes and does that, traffic goes up 30% to the page. They're like, whoa, okay, this works. Let's go. And then you know, that's the kind of thing that. Um, is a much easier pill to swallow than, hey, change your entire process overnight. Sure.
1: Yeah, no, quick quick wins are the key to, to getting excited about anything new that you're trying. Totally, to. yeah. Now, mm-hmm. you had mentioned uh, books. You had referenced people. Some people like to skip to the end, and that kind of brings my next question, which mm-hmm. is one of my favorite questions that I ask all my guests and podcasts, but mm-hmm. are there any business books out there that you can attribute to your journey as
2: an entrepreneur? Um. Gosh, so many. Um, uh, I, I really, uh, I'm a book listener. First, I'll say I almost all the books are, are audio books for me. I, I, I have a really hard time, uh, sitting and reading. I have, I, I have so much in my life. Um, good things. You know, I, I'm, I'm a, uh, I have two sons and, um, uh, you know, family and, and multiple businesses. And, um, time i get to spend you know sitting and reading a book is rare um but being a great uh leader and entrepreneur is you know for me that a couple of the things that i that i connect to um are storytelling um being able to um being able to be improvisational um so a couple of the books that um are kind of Probably unorthodox. Uh, one would be a, a, a book that I love on storytelling called Story Worthy um, mm-hmm. by Matthew Dix. Um, really the, the art of telling a beautiful story. Um, and telling a beautiful personal story. Um, it, that's one where I feel um, anyone can be helped with that. Um, and then another one is improv. Um, the one that I truly value would be the uh uh the upright citizens brigade manual. Um, which the handbook, I believe you can purchase it openly. You may not. You may need to find it <laughs> on an eBay or something like that. Um, what was the name of that? The Upright Citizens Brigade UCB handbook. It's the handbook that's given to improvisational comedians at Upright Citizens Brigade. Ah. Um, and um, for me, those things are really important to the way that I communicate um, and the way that I focus on value uh, and value selling uh, as a framework. And I think that that's a benefit. I think so many entrepreneurs hop into the game, having no knowledge of improvisational sales, social selling, or um, value selling. Um, and then the th- so the third one I'd mentioned is, it's not really a, a, a necessarily a business book, but it's um, two publishers of info. And one of them is uh, Bob Apollo. Um, and he's uh, at inflection point, point. Um, and he's written some books, but I think all, his whole body of work on the site is about value-focused selling. And then there's a company called Valueselling.com, um, which publishes a great deal of information about, you know, stop focusing on you, get empathetic, and um, and really focus on value um, versus talking about yourself. (laughs) Nobody wants to be at the party talking to the guy that talks about himself. Um, So, you know, uh, for me, uh, those three or four uh, references really tell the story of who Jeff is. Great. Well, thank you for
1: sharing those resources. Mm -hmm. Now, let's let's flip back and talk about your agency before we wrap it up. Now, Mm -hmm. you talked about your quality. Comprehensiveness is Mm -hmm. one of your things. And I haven't heard of anybody doing that before. Mm -hmm. but. Are there any other ways? How is your agency standing out from the competition? Is it more than that? Or is that the secret sauce with, uh,
2: you know, it's, 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 uh, um, so I ran an agency throughout my career, but I actually don't actively, um, pursue that. Um, I always kind of had a side hustle because I feel like if you're in the search engine optimization game as an in-house where you work for a large company, one way you can stay abreast or keep tuned in with other markets, which is the way that I've managed it. Is to have um, clients. In my case, I heavily focused on B two B and technology with my in house. uh, So I focus on other industries um, just to make sure that I could 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 hack it as an all around marketer. Um, So, but but you know the question for for why does Market Muse stand out is our technology is the core of our business. Um, You know ninety plus percent of our Revenue comes from software as a service subscriptions and and software product, but we do have a professional services component. Um, and for us, it's being able to you know be implementers that both I think deliver the fish, but also enable you to uh, watch us. <laughs> fish <laughs> and tie the ties and put them in the water and, and and get you to a point where you can use the software plus any additional augmented augmented data so that the next time you can make the same choice. Do you want to just buy it, uh, buy the outcomes mm-hmm. or the outputs, or do you actually want to do it? We would give, put you in a situation where you can do both. And and this goes for anything, it goes for whether we're delivering a, a content audit or a content inventory a content plan um, that's driven by the go- the goals of the of the customer um, or goals that we just come up with, you know, like quick wins. Um, so let's uh, let's talk about the
1: services because I'm I'm still so hazy. So you offer a do it for you service and a do it with you service. What what do you guys yeah. what's exactly that? Yeah,
2: you can come by the software and never talk to us. Okay, right. Um, you can come by the software and we'll still assign you a, a an account manager and make sure you you know, in the first 30 to 60 days, you learn it, uh, we'll put you through exhaustive onboarding and training, making sure that we certify you. Um, but you can also put yourself out and say, you know, I have these specific, um, you know, service needs that we have experts that we've done it all. I mean, I've done personally done hundreds of content migrations uh, I've built thousands of content plans. Um, we have people on our team, Dave Youngst, it leads our content advisory team um, who has a similar pedigree. Um, so there isn't really a content situation that they won't be able to deliver on. The outputs of everything we do from a services perspective are typically gonna be content plans, um, content briefs, and delivered content. So it's all gonna be with those things being the the payload that you receive. Why those plans get built, that's where there's some variance. So it could be, "Oh my gosh, our traffic just dropped 90%. We need someone to tell us how to save. What the save is." Or it could be we want to grow um, you know, the skincare section of our major e-commerce portal mm-hmm. that has 15 different product lines. Um, you know, or it could be that, you know, we think we got hit by a Google penalty. Um, can you do an assessment of that and provide us with a plan of what we need to do, what pages we need to update, what content that we need to create? So who, um, so who I mean. are, who are the clients for your agency? Who's coming through? Um, so Market Muse clients uh, we are, you know, very thankful that we rely heavily on, almost exclusively on inbound, um, and our reputation and referrals, which is amazing as a business of our size. Um, the biggest uh, groups would be um, publishers. So you uh, think six of the top 20 publishers are market news customers in the world, uh, publishing entities, um, software companies, B2B technology, um, and I, I like to call it boring B2B, um, are a big segment. Um, uh, large enterprise brands, um, and also agencies are customers of ours. Um, so anyone who values content is going to be a customer, uh, anyone who understands the value of content. Um, but one cool thing about us is we have a free product, you know, anyone, a solopreneur, one person agency, go hop in, see if it's a fit. Uh, okay, we have a 100, $149 a month product that doesn't have any account management. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but we also have people that pay us a half a million dollars a year. Um, and we work with them on their entire content operation. Every article they create or update has a source of truth and data drove it from Market Muse. So, um, how, so how can different. an
1: interested listener learn more about the different services and, and working with you and all that?
2: Oh yeah, for sure. Well go check out um, go check out marketmuse.com. Um, if only to read the blog, uh, we have a content strategy crash course. Um, which is an awesome thing. The blog has so much thought leadership materials. I have a webinar with, you know, hundreds of recordings. Really any topic is probably going to be a fit, Uh, but also, um, you know, sign up for our free offering um, or, you know, take the leap. And if you are a business um, who's investing anything in content, there's going to be a plan that fits um, with you um, and go check that out. Um, if you want to reach out to me, Jeffrey underscore coil on Twitter, very active there on LinkedIn, uh, feel free to shoot me a note. I answer everything or Jeff at marketmuse.com. If you've got a specific problem or you just don't know whether, um, what to do with content, uh, whether it's, you know, you're, you're so like, just tired of dealing with the ebbs and flows of Google and you know there's a better way, or you tried content, it didn't work, you don't think it's for you, or you're doing great, but you'd love to sharpen the knife. No matter what the situation is, we're um, probably going to make it, make it so that you can be successful quickly.
1: Well, this has been great. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we wrap
2: it up today? Um, you know, it, it may not be a fit for everybody who's listening, but we're also a data company. Um, and market news. Um, and so we have a subsidiary called GrepWords. I um, mean if you are kind of in the in the world where you're buying data, if you're buying um, keyword data, uh, if you're paying a lot of money for that data, or you're buying search engine result data, or you're trying to build your own application or marketing technology application, um, or you're a publisher and you like it would be amazing if you had, you know, a 5 billion Word and SERP database that you could do and like inject into your BI platform. Like if that's has any amount of interest, email me um, because we have, you know, a number of the largest publishers, the largest software platforms, Chrome plugins that you probably use are powered by MarketMuse data. Um, you probably didn't know that most people don't, um, but we are uh, one of the leading data providers in the world for search engine optimization and search engine optimization related technologies.
1: Well, it's been great. Well, again, thank you for joining us today, Jeff. All right.
2: Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure and awesome discussion.
1: All right. Well, that's it for today. Remember, if you like this episode, please go to Apple Podcasts and leave us an honest review. And if you're looking for more information, Regarding market Muse or connecting with Jeff, you will find the links in the show notes below. In addition, if you were looking for more information on growing your business, check out our all new podcast resource center available at www.makeeachclickcount.com. We have compiled all the different past guests by show topic and have included each of the contact information in case you would like more information on any services I have discussed during previous episodes. Remember to stay safe, keep healthy, and happy marketing. And I will talk to you
0: in the next episode. This has been the Make Each Click Count podcast.